And you know, I'm one of those people, I've got to be honest, that comes up with a theme before I even look at what it's all about, and then I struggle to find um, what I'm going to talk about. But Jesus, I've been thinking about this, and you know, this declaration, I have overcome the world, he says. This is before the agony of Gethsemane. This is before the, the crucifixion. And yet he states, sort of, without any shadow of doubt, I have overcome the world. You know, Jesus, when they, when they said, be a good cheer, he could have said a, a number of things, because God is on his throne, and he could have said all this, he said, and he could have pointed them to all this type of thing, and that type of thing, but he said, I have overcome the world. Jesus claims the victory before the battle, so to speak. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to overcome the world. He said, he already had, and that's a big difference. The Bible uh, seems to suggest that Jesus had already defeated the enemy. And we know this is true, because we read only in other places that he was crucified before the foundation of the world. The enemy have always been defeated as far as God is concerned. You know, this is one reason, I suppose, why people cried crucify him, because he acted and he talked like God. Oh, come on. You know, and, and the, we know to me today, the reason why he acted and talked like God is because he was God. And you know, the people didn't like it. You know, we see Jesus doing this in, when he walked this planet. You know, we thank God for things before he prayed for them. He thanked God for the answer. And you know, when he fed the 5,000, he thanked God that he would supply the need before he prayed for it. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he thanked God for hearing and answering his prayers before he prayed the prayer. Because Jesus was a man, but Jesus was God. And he knows the beginning from the end, and the end from the beginning, and so forth. You know, and it was with the, so with the resurrection, we viewed it tonight. Remember what he said, Sandra said. Remember what he said. And I will rise again on the third day. You know, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. This is the type of guy he is. He knows the end from the beginning. What we've got to ask ourselves tonight is what is the sort of applications for this victory? Not only did he overcome his own death, but he overcome death itself for all mankind for all time. Just try to imagine uh, how this looked to the crowd that day there on, on, on Golgotha's hill. There was a man who had brought hope of God's salvation to the people and here he was hanging on a cross. Seemingly to the onlookers a defeated person hanging there on the cross. You know and uh, we know what he went through there on the cross, physically what he went through there on the cross. You know, many in the crowd uh, believed that he was the promised Messiah, but now their expectations were completely dashed. There he was, there. There was fear, there was doubt, there was dismay in their hearts. For all practical purposes, I suppose, it looked as though Satan was boasting. He said, look everyone, I have killed Christ. I have overcome truth. After these things, I looked. This is Revelation chapter 4. And behold, the door standing open in heaven. 
And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, saying, come up here and I will show you things which must, must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper, and a sardis stone in appearance. Here we have the, this wonderful description of the throne room of God. The throne room of eternity. The throne room of everything that there is. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne there were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold upon their heads now I don't I'm not going to go into these things but I believe that that one in particular there is a they are representative of those that have been born again by the precious blood of Jesus those 24 elders and from the throne proceeded lightnings thunderings and voices seven lamps of fire with a bur were, were burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in, in back and in back. The first living creatures was like a first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had the face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, with full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. It takes you back to Isaiah, doesn't it, this, this bit, uh, where you know he had this, um, this vision, which is very similar. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him that who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying you are worthy O Lord to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by you will they exist and were created and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. To open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, <coughs> stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. 
and they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you've made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Now, Jesus said on many occasions, to go back to what I said before I read that scripture, Jesus said on many occasions that the devil is a liar and there is absolutely no truth in him at all. Then if what the devil says is a lie, then the opposite of what he said must be true. That means that the devil, Satan, the adversary, the evil, the carnal mind, whatever you want to call it, he wasn't crucifying Christ. Christ was dealing with him. And we can see it there in that reading. You know, all evil, all sin, all disease, all death was dealt with there upon the cross of Calvary. And it's the Lamb who is worthy to open the seals there in glory. You know, in the agony of Gethsemane, you know, Jesus had given up all trace of his own will. You know, he had completely surrendered entirely to God's will. You know, on the cross <coughs> there was so much going on that I don't suppose the human eyes or the human mind could take in what was actually going on there. You know, you'd have to forgive people for, you know, other than uh, people that were close to Jesus that, and knew the scriptures. You'd have to forgive them for thinking that, you know, this was a sad end to this man. But, you know, there on the cross, as we know in this place, Jesus was dealing with all these evil things in the world. Now, we have some idea now, and I wrote this down uh, in the middle of the week, so I wasn't, I'm not copying you. We hear uh, the cross preached quite regularly here, and what Christ achieved on it. And again, I got this little bit here. It was, see my, my exact words, it was wonderful to be here last Thursday. When I got right from the get-go. It seemed like to me, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, the perfect storm. There's a, there's a, a, a front coming this way, the front coming that way, the front coming that way, and this ship is caught smack in the middle of it. It's caught, it was caught, you know, this perfect, form, perfect storm that they're in. And that's what I thought it was like, here on Thursday, I've got to be honest, from the moment we come in to the moment we left, it was absolutely uh, wonderful to be here to hear what God has done for us. You know, Terence talked that, that night about the cross. You know, from, uh, that was how it had been prophesied uh, years before. And you know, when I was looking at this, I was thinking of a, a prophecy that was said years ago, years before the cross. And it's a, a prophecy that uh, we bring out on a Christmas time. It's a prophecy that we here in Emmanuel have as our, I was going to say national anthem, but not only our national anthem, it'd just be our anthem, I suppose, our Christmas anthem. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And this is the line that sort of drew me to this verse. And the government will be upon his shoulders. You know, and we've seen in our reading in, Re in Revelations that there is the government of God and smack in the midst of it is Jesus, is the Lamb. And not just 
Jesus as God, but Jesus as the slain lamb of Calvary, there in the very midst of the, of the throne. You know, when a couple of years ago we did, we did this to me on a Thursday night, these, these, these words, I think. You know, and uh, that's what I'd like to look at tonight. This is why we can be resting in at ease tonight. It's because he's on the throne and he is all these wonderful things. He is a wonderful counsellor. I don't know whether that's two words or not, but it's two words. It's just one saying tonight. Whether it's wonderful and counsellor, I don't know. Or I, I, I think I spoke on it being a wonderful and counsellor before, but tonight he's just a wonderful counsellor. You know, every now and then we have uh, a politician that sort of comes onto the scene that possesses, you know, according to others, sort of Messiah-like qualities. You know, he's he got a wonderful way of speaking, or he's got he's very charismatic, or he's very wise. I don't think he's any there. We're looking at our politicians. I I I can't see any at the moment. You know, and it certainly is a compliment when somebody says, you know, he's got Messiah-like qualities. Talking about normal politicians now. However, if you was to compare him with the greatest political leader or social leader with Jesus Christ, you'd find that there's absolutely no comparison there whatsoever. You know, I read a list once of the most influential people in the world. You know, and... I don't know, I think Jesus was down about se- about seventh or something like that. You know, when in fact, Jesus shouldn't have been on that list at all. Because there's no, because there's no way can you put Jesus on a list with anybody else. He is, he cannot be uh, compared with anyone at all. You know, during his life on earth, Jesus, when he walked this earth, he, you know, he, he demonstrated in the how wise he was in counsel. You know, we always have the right thing to say at the right time. You know, uh, whether that would be a word of encouragement or whether that would be a word of rebuke. You know, uh, Jesus said the right words at the right time. You know, so much so that even his enemy said, didn't he? Never did a man speak the way this man speaks. You know, they went to arrest him and they said... How can we arrest him? We've never heard anybody speak like that. He's a wonderful counsellor. You know, as God incarnate, Christ is the source of all truth. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, no politician can match that. You know, if you listen to uh, the debates that's on on the TV and the radio today, they're all liars. Boris is the biggest liar on the planet, according to Jeremy Corbyn. And I suppose it's the other way around. They're all lying to each other. You know, it's to him we must turn to and trust and let him rule our lives. You know, many of our politicians, they will go elsewhere for counsel. You know, they have their advisors and their... Um, well, they counsel us, I suppose. You know, they are, I got them there that they got their own psychologists. They got their own psychiatrists. They got their own analysts. They got their own philosophers. They got their own spiritual advisors. 
and gurus and things like that. But the King of Kings, this wonderful counselor, keeps his own counsel. You know, Isaiah 40 and verse 13 says this Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as his counsel, or as his counsel has informed him? You know, there's no one. There's no one for him to turn to because he is far above everybody else. He's a wonderful counselor. The Messiah is a wonderful counselor because he is God, the source of truth. You know, the, that verse goes on to say that he's a mighty God. You know, the Messiah's kingdom or Christ's kingdom is completely opposite to the houses of parliament at the moment. There's no chaos at all in the kingdom of God, in the throne room of God. There's absolutely no chaos. Whereas in the house of the parliament, there is absolute, complete chaos. Thing, what, when we see the things that's going on. Ian McPherson, I always remember him spe- speaking of the bush, and he, and he said this, and I've always remembered. I don't, I, don't, I don't know whether it's true, to be honest. But he said it, and I'm going to repeat it, and, and I'm saying that he said it, not me. Ian McPherson said that at creation, God brought cosmos from chaos. And I've always, I don't know why I've always remembered that. And when I was thinking about this uh, this week, I thought to myself, I don't know if that's true or not. I know it's, it sounds great, doesn't it? Cosmos from chaos. That's what he done at creation. But of course, if there was chaos, are you thinking about it? Maybe I'm thinking too deep. Who created the chaos? For God to make the, cake, the cosmos? I don't know. But we know, don't we, that there's no chaos in God's government. Corinthians 1, or 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 36 says, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. You know, chaos is hostile to God. He's a God of order. Now, we not only is he the, the wonderful counsellor. You know, it's, it's, it's nice, it's, it's amazing when you, you can go to a counsellor and he can tell you to do these things and then you've got to go away and do them. You know, um, they can't do anything else about it. They say, this is what you need to do. And, you know, in fairness, that, that's, that's all they can do. But, you know, this counsellor, he can tell us what we've got to do and he can aid us in doing it. Because not only is he the, a wonderful counsellor, but he's the mighty God. You know, he can energize us to do it. You know, we've heard a lot again in government about legislation. And it can only go so far, can it? You can only tell people that they shouldn't do something. You have no power at all to make them people not do that something. Because of sinful, of a sinful nature. Matter of fact, most people, if you tell them not to do something, they want to do it. You know, you're not supposed to use your mobile phones while you're driving. But I, every time I drive home from, from school, from, right, from work, I, without fail, see somebody on a mobile phone. You can legislate for it. You can say that you're not supposed to do it. Uh, but you can't make them people do it because that's, that's all you can, because you haven't got that power. But again, God has got that power. If he says, that he says what we should do, He's given it, he can give us the power 
to actually do it. This is the God that we are serving. This is the one that's on the throne tonight as far as we are, we are concerned. When Christ comes to rule this earth, you know, he'll display his own divine power by bringing order to the chaos. You know, those who uh, don't, don't submit to his leadership, you know, the, the Bible tells us that he will overcome them with a, with a rod of iron. But those who humble themselves from the heart, bow into him as Lord and Saviour, will find the power of the mighty God unleashed in their life to help them to obey. You know, because Christ is God and Christ is the wonderful counsellor, you know, he can forgive sin. He's defeated Satan. He's liberated people from the power of evil. He redeemed them. He answers their prayers. He restores their broken hearts. And he reigns as Lord, mighty God, over their sort of newly ordered lives. There's not a politician in the world that can do what our Saviour can do. And he's on the throne. He's in government there in eternity. You know, he's the father of eternity. You know, there's a clear reference to the biblical truth that Christ is creator of heaven and earth. You know, he's the father of it all. Hebrews 1 and verse 10 says, God the Father says to Christ the Son, You, Lord, in the beginning, this is God talking to the Son, You, Lord, in the beginning, laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you, but you remain. And they will uh, overcome, they will become old like a garment, and like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like, like a garment, they will also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. You know, politicians, they come and they go. And we can say thank goodness for that in most cases. That they come, they come, and then we're glad to see the back of them mostly. But this politician, this Christ, this one, this counsellor, he is a forever counsellor. He's the father of eternity. You know, nothing is too complex for the creator and sustainer of everything. You know, uh, he's the Alpha and Omega. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And the end. You know, I don't know about you, but life, I think, is getting uh, more um, complex. You know, technology has improved, doesn't it? And, and uh, because of that, communication is, is better, transportation is better. Lots of things, you know, have become global. You know, whereas before, you know, we, we lived here and people lived there, now we all live in this big globe because we're all, we're all connected. But rather than organising and making sense of it all, uh, it seems to me that governments of the world are making things more complicated by it. You know, we've heard only this week of uh, MPs that are leaving government because they are bullied online. You, know, you can bully somebody now from your bedroom. You know, and life gets more and more complicated. 
the, the, although it should, our technology has improved so much, it should be getting more and more simpler. Life should be easy for us. It should become a time when the all we got to do is get up in the morning, not even cook or breakfast, because somebody is going to do it for us, or something is going to do I say, I'll have bacon and egg, please. And because it must come true because it's on Star Trek. It's on Star Trek for a while. And I notice the things that's on Star Trek eventually come into being. You know, we have now, don't we? We have Dave went to see one the other day, Leah, what do you call him? An hologram. You know, they were a big thing in Star Trek years ago. You know, but now holograms are real. Well, I don't know. You know, and you can have, I, you know, we went to an airport once and there was a woman welcoming, welcoming us. And, tell, and telling us where to go and all that, and she wasn't real. She was an hologram. There she was, nice looking woman, but not real. And you know, one day you think one day you're going to get up and everything is going to be rosy and we can just relax and let, let technology do all the hard work for us. You wouldn't have to have a cleaning session next, next Saturday. We would just press a button and the old place would just transform into something new. But I tell you, it's never going to happen because the more technology comes to me, it seems to me, the more complex life becomes. It had done nothing for it. I was listening to a program this week with um, the guy of What I Lie to You. He wrote a book. Uh, and it's, uh, what's his name? Not, not, not the funny Lee one. Huh? Not Lee Mark, the other one. Yeah, yeah, he wrote a book about the internet and things like this and see how, how bad it is because of uh, it, what, what it has done to society and things like this, this modern technology. Why do I go down our road? I think the government that we are part of is simple and uncomplicated. You know, he's <coughs> the sole ruler. You know, there's no sort of layers of bureaucracy around it at all. He knows the end from the beginning because he is the father of eternity. You know, Isaiah prophesying about the kingdom wrote of the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it, it shall be for those, the wayfaring men. Though fools shall not err therein. You know, this is so free from, com from complications that even a fool can't get lost there. No, you can have the best Satan in the world and get lost. But this way of Jesus is so simple that even a fool can't get lost on their way, on their way there. And then finally, tonight, you know, he's the Prince of Peace. You know, he offers, Romans tell us that, uh, Romans 1 verse 7, that he offers us peace from God. Romans 5 verse 1 tells us he brings peace with God. Uh, Philippians 4, 7 tells us that he brings the peace of God to those who walk with him. You know, there's never, I don't suppose, been peace on the earth when we think of it. There have always been wars and rumours of wars that have, you know, covered the last 2,000 years since the announcement at his birth when the, the angels came along and said, peace on earth and goodwill to all men. You know, but since then, there's, there's never been really peace on this earth at all. You know, and the 
announcement of peace on earth. You know, there are sort of two proclamations there. First, it was proclaimed that God's peace is available to men and women right now. You know, we can read that in Luke 2 and verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Now, that is the proper sort of way to, to read that. You know, we can come to God. You know, we've sang it today. I think we sang it today. Or Janice spoke this morning about the war that had been put down. And he is our peace. You know, we're broken down every war. You know, when we think of those who are with whom he is pleased, those, that, those of us that have yielded his life to the authority of his government. You know, Psalm 147 says, The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. Now, why should we hope in his mercy? Because we are sinners who needed forgiveness. Romans 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, we must recognize that fact, I suppose, first of all, that if we are to place our lives under his government, we must understand that he gave his own sinless, guiltless life on our behalf. <laughs> now we've heard it, as it's been said, we've heard it from this pulpit time and time again, that he who knew no sin, we heard it this morning, he who knew no sin became sin for each and every one of us. And we must be willing, and I'm sure that we all are here tonight, willing to turn from our sins and embrace him by faith. You know, realising that we can never earn his favour otherwise. You know, and the second thing is that the angel announcements of peace on earth uh, sort of declared the, the arrival of the only one who ultimately can bring lasting peace on earth. Jesus Christ will bring lasting peace in the final times of his earthly kingdom. He will ensure peace on earth over the, rebellion, the rebellious at heart. And as I said earlier on, by those that rebel, he will deal with them with the rod of iron. Isaiah 9 and verse 7 continues this, and it says this, There will be no end to the increase of his government or peace. In other words, his government and peace will keep expanding and improving. You know, we talk about it being perfect, and yet we can talk about it expanding. It's, a, it's a, something that we can't understand. There's an image that says, like a, like a glorious river, it says, perfect, yet it floweth, fuller every day, perfect, yet it groweth, deeper all the way. How can anything perfect improve? But you know, he's a wonderful counsellor. He's the, he's the wonderful counsellor, he's the mighty God, he's the everlasting Father, and he's the Prince of Peace. You know, and he is the only hope, not Trump, not Boris, Definitely not Jeremy Corbyn. Huh? Corbyn. Corbyn. Could be Joe Simpson. I know. Is it Simpson name is? Swinson. Could be her, I don't know. 
but he is the only hope for mankind. To God, uh, for his name's sake. Amen.